you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, July 26th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and as you may be able to hear, uh, the voice is not at its best today. I spent the weekend in Ocean City, Maryland, had a great time, and lost the voice a little bit over the weekend. But, you know, we are still here to bring you some Orioles content. So, just going to let you know off the bat, the voice is going to dip in uh, in volume. There's going to be some voice cracks in this episode, but uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's still going to be the same Orioles info, and you know what? I thought about, hey, why don't I just postpone you know, the podcast for today and, uh, you know, let my voice rest and uh, get back to you on Tuesday. Well, the Orioles just swept the Nationals and uh, are taking home the Masson Cup. So we got to get you the content here on a Monday. And that's what's coming up on today's episode. We are going to give you the three big takeaways from the Orioles sweep over the Nationals this weekend. How fun it was at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And those three things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Matt Harvey. Maybe resurgence right before the trade deadline. Hmm. Uh, what a hmm that could be. Then John Means, you know, his second start off the aisle, it was better. Still a lot of things, though, to worry about after he pitched on Sunday. And then finally, we're going to talk about the Oriole bullpen. What a job it did. Again, these guys are humming, and uh, they could be in play for the trade deadline as well. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by another pod here on the network. That is Locked On MLB Prospects. It's MLB draft season, and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is covering every future star of Major League Baseball. Host Arm Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every single day. Subscribe to Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. So what a weekend it was of Orioles baseball. And uh, honestly... Tanner Scott was one strike away, you know, if you remember back during the week to the Orioles getting a series win at the Trop. The Orioles one strike away right there from three straight series wins to open the second half. To be honest, despite losing that series in Tampa still, the Orioles have been playing some great baseball, to be honest, since the second half started. It has been really fun to watch, and they really did it with a sweep over the Nationals this weekend. They uh, With the three wins, now 34-64 and 64 on the season for the Orioles. And uh, those three games, they were fun to watch. O's won it 6-1 to one in the game on Friday night. Got a solid start from Jorge Lopez. Bullpen did its work, and they got some some timely hits. Turnaround Saturday won again 5-3 to three in that one. Matt Harvey was great. Orioles got some key hits. And the bullpen gave up a few runs but got the big outs at the end. And then we flip it to Sunday. This was the fun one. The Orioles with a walk-off comeback 5-4 victory on Sunday. Went into the ninth inning trailing 4-3. to three, And they get two runs in the bottom of the ninth, including the walk-off RBI fielder's choice off the bat of Ramon Arias. Ryan McKenna beating the throw to the plate to win the game and complete the sweep for the O's. And the other thing about the weekend, the sweep sent the Nationals to 45-53. and 53. They're not eight games out of first in the NL East. Probably sent them to Sellers. Max Scherzer may end up on another team. But, of course, we're going to get you the three big takeaways from this weekend. And the first one, we got to go back to Saturday. And we got to say Matt Harvey, potentially for the Orioles, heating up at the right time. Make it back-to-back starts of six scoreless innings for Harvey. He was really good in the game on Saturday. Six scoreless innings, just one hit allowed 
by Matt Harvey came in the fourth inning. He struck out four. He did not walk anyone, and it only took him 83 pitches to get through those six innings. Uh, he gets his ERA down to 6.65 on the year. Just two hard hit balls against Matt Harvey on the day. And, uh, Brandon Hyde saying after the game, you know, he did talk with Matt Harvey right after the sixth inning, and they both kind of came to the conclusion that it was time to come out, even at 83 pitches. But just what a great start it was for Harvey. And again, you know, not a lot of his stuff was incredible. I mean, he got nine whiffs on 83 pitches. Four came from the fastball, got a couple on the curveball, a couple on the slider. Uh, you know, he he didn't have any pitch with a CSW over 30. His overall CSW called strike and whiff percentage was, was just 24%, which is, you know, not a, a great number. And, you know, most of his four strikeouts were looking as well. But he was just, once again, throwing more strikes. And, uh, you know, curveball spin rate was was way up. You know, he had velocity uh, was up on all of his pitches uh, compared to his season average. And, again, just a lot more strikes than we have been seeing from Matt Harvey. And, you know, now we are at the point where he has had these back-to-back starts that look like this for the Orioles. He had, you know, the one coming out of the break back on Sunday, and then he has the six scoreless here on Saturday. And, you know, he is going to have a chance, uh, you would think, to start potentially one more time before Friday's trade deadline. We'll see if that would work out. But this also could have been his last start before the deadline. And, of course, we think back to, you know, his great April, and we talked about him being a trade candidate, and he was really bad for 10 straight starts, and that went off the board. Well, you know, if you're getting this Matt Harvey, you know, you're not going to give up a lot for him, but... You know, maybe he is a trade piece, and I still think probably, you know, a team is going to look at what he's done all season, not want to take the risk, and the Orioles would be fine. You know, they need veteran arms in this rotation down the stretch like we've talked about. They would be perfectly happy to have Matt Harvey just in their own rotation for the rest of this 2021 season, but if anybody felt like, you know, they needed a cheap kind of depth starter, maybe a number five or even kind of a number six guy to just help them out in the playoff push, Maybe the Orioles could get a you know lower level teenage prospect or a, you know an underrated guy from a team, and you know I think Mike Elias would do it. You know to have Matt Harvey go from a minor league deal to potentially getting something for him. And again, I don't think it's going to happen by the deadline this week. But if Mike Elias could pull it off, I think he would do it. And uh, you know, kudos to Matt Harvey for figuring it out again and uh, doing it at the right time for the Orioles. And again, if they don't trade him, that's good too. They get a veteran arm who's pitching better in the rotation for the second half. But it would be truly incredible if the Orioles were able to turn this into really anything of a return out of Matt Harvey, especially after watching him in May and June. We'll see if it maybe Michael Elias could, could work the magic uh, with the Dark Knight this upcoming week. But we are going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll get to our second big takeaway of the weekend. It has to do with another starting pitcher in John Means. Things not as positive in this takeaway. Yeah, he was a little better on Sunday in his second start back from the IL, but still a lot of concerning things in that start. We'll talk about that after this break. So we'll get back to our three big takeaways from the weekend in just a second. But first, got to tell you about BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, we've got baseball season in full swing. You can track all the action over at BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs as well, not just MLB, but how about UFC and MMA action, and maybe the Olympics as well. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. And you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. 
Again, that's promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. So in terms of Orioles starting pitchers this weekend and the sweep over the Nationals, obviously Matt Harvey was big time on the positive side. And in terms of John Means, he started the game on Sunday, his second start off the injured list. And there were some positives, obviously, to take away. He was better than his first start. Of course, he gave up five runs in five innings in his first start off the IL in Tampa. Was a little better on Sunday. Six and two-thirds innings, four runs on five hits, two Ks, one walk, one home run allowed through 87 pitches. His ERA is now 294 on the season. But what really concerns me, you know, are the deeper numbers, are the strikeouts, just two strikeouts in the 20 outs he recorded. And he didn't get his first one until the fifth inning did John Means. And, uh, you know, he just wasn't getting swings and misses. 87 pitches, only six whiffs. That is not good from John Means. Four whiffs on the changeup, two on the fastball. He did not get a swing and miss on the curveball or slider. Now, he did throw the curveball in for a strike five times. That was pretty good. But the slider only threw eight times, and it was basically a non-existent pitch on the day. Now, what was interesting for John Means on the day is how he used his pitches. He actually threw an equal amount of changeups and fastballs, 33 changeups, 33 fastballs, then he threw 13 curveballs and 8 sliders on the day. And it was interesting to see him continue to go back to the changeup because it really wasn't a good pitch for him on the day. He did get four whiffs, which was good, but he only landed it in the zone for a called strike once. It only gave him a 15% CSW on the day. And honestly, he seemed a little lucky to get that this deep into this game. And now, you know, there was a good chance he could have gotten through six and two-thirds just one run. You know, Ryan Zimmerman hits the three-run homer off of him in the top of the sixth inning uh, with two outs to give the Nats a 4-3 to three lead at the time, left a, a fastball up, and Zimmerman hits it. But, you know, means six and two-thirds, 87 pitches, obviously a pretty low number. He, he got to stay in the game that long because the pitch count was so low because he wasn't getting strikeouts. Now, he wasn't walking guys, which was good. He only walked one, uh, which was a little more of an issue in his first start back against Tampa, so that's a good sign. But just a lot of pitches in the middle of the plate, and it almost felt like Means was, was just getting pretty lucky on the day. You know, a lot of pop-ups, a lot of ground balls right at infielders. There were a lot of hard-hit balls on the day, but, uh, you know, except for the Zimmerman home run, which was smacked out to right center, you know, Means was able to kind of avoid damage and escape jams all day. You know, he loaded up the bases with no outs in the first inning, was somehow able to escape the next three batters swinging at the first pitch. Uh, it went pop-up, then uh, ground into a force out for a run, and then a ground out on the next three pitches to get out of it and just give up the one in the top of the first inning. But that could have been way, way worse, and the Nats just weren't patient. They swung at the first pitch, and Means got some soft contact. And, you know, this was still not a bad start, and it's it's nice to, you know, get those guys out on one pitch, get the outs early in counts. But, you know, things that sustain you longer are strikeouts. Things that don't sustain are pop-ups or ground outs on the first pitch. And you just want to see John Means get more than six whiffs in 87 pitches. That is not a good number at all for Means. And again, the spin rates were down. You look at the curveball, it was down almost 200 RPMs from his season average. Changeup was down about 80. That's not a huge dip, but still a dip in the spin rates. And you know, I'm just still concerned about post-IL, post-sticky stuff crack down John Means at this point. And again, you know, he was better today than he was in the first start against Tampa, and hopefully he is better, uh, you know, next weekend in his third start off the IL, and hopefully he continues to get better. But what we haven't really seen is the big amount of whiffs, and six whiffs, again, in 87 pitches is a little concerning, and it's just something to watch. And again, you know, he had a chance to 
have his day be, you know, he could have honestly gone seven innings, one run uh, with the same amount of strikeouts potentially if, you know, that Ryan Zimmerman ball doesn't leave the yard. But we're looking at the point where even if he did that, it still would have been concerning. You know, just because he gave up the three-run homer doesn't change that it was concerning that he really just was not getting any swings and misses and the stuff just doesn't look as crisp two starts off the I.L. But I said I wasn't going to, you know, freak out after the first one. And I'm not going to freak out after this one, but it's a little more concerning because it's now happened twice off the injured list. And again, as I said, hopefully it continues to get better and he can get back to, you know, I don't think he's going to throw another no-hitter this year, but get back to, you know, all-star caliber John Means that we saw in the first half of this season before the industry. But we're going to keep looking at those spin rates and the RPNs as they continue to go down. We're going to continue to look at the number of swings and misses because 6 and 87 pitches, again, is just not good, and it means that stuff is not fooling guys. And you can get away for a couple starts. You can get away with, you know, this soft contact, guys swinging at the first pitch, popping it up, getting lucky with BABIP and things like that. But that's not sustainable over a long season. What's sustainable is throwing strikes, hitting your spots, getting swings and misses like John Means was doing earlier this year. And, you know, he is uh, he is not looking like the same pitcher. And, you know, really the hope is, honestly, this is kind of a weird way to look at it, but the hope is that, you know, he's just still rusty off the injury. Maybe he's not 100, 100% yet, and that's why he looks like this. Because that means, oh, he just maybe needs a little more rest. He needs, you know, a couple more starts to get back into the groove. You would much rather it be that than it be, oh, John Means was using sticky stuff. Now he can't use it, and he's a different pitcher. Because that is a lot harder to fix than just maybe needing a little more rest and a couple more starts to get back into the groove. So hopefully, really, it is still the injury just nagging him a bit rather than, you know, sticky stuff and spin rates. But we will obviously keep our eye on that. But again, he did enough for the Orioles to win the game. And the Orioles, that was their first win in a game John Means started since he threw the no-hitter back on May 5th in Seattle against the Mariners. So nice for uh, John Means to see his team win a game uh, when he was on the mound. But speaking of the mound, coming up next, we will get to our final takeaway from the weekend. And, you know, although the starters were up and down this weekend, Harvey was good, Means was okay, and, and, you know, Lopez was okay on Friday night, the bullpen once again shined. And, you know, they did give up a few runs in some key spots, but overall they were able to lock down three wins in, you know, some fairly close games. When we come back, we will highlight some of the best performances from the pen this weekend and talk about which of those guys are maybe getting themselves back to trade chip status potentially will the Orioles deadline be a little more active than uh, we may have thought over the last couple of weeks. That's coming up after the break. So we're back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first got to tell you about Built Bar and the nine delicious flavors of Built Bar, including coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, strawberry, orange, and so many others. But, you know, many have a favorite flavor. If you don't, though, you can go to BuiltBar.com and you can order a mix box. You will get two of each of the nine flavors, then you can really pick your favorite. But not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy, too. That's really the best part. Most of these bars, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just one third to 180 only four or five grams of sugar only four or five grams of net carbs and built bar is the official protein bar of the u.s track and field team that's pretty cool you can root on the team while you're eating and enjoying a built bar so go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and you'll get 15 percent off your order again that is promo code locked on for 15 percent off at builtbar.com so you know i don't want to leave without saying the Orioles offense wasn't good this weekend because obviously the Orioles offense had some 
key moments this weekend. You know, in Friday's game, the top three hitters, Mullins, Hayes, and Mancini, each had doubles in the game. Pat Vileka with a two-homer game in that one. A couple of solo homers for Pat the Bat on Friday night. Uh, in Saturday's game, of course, the Orioles had to get some big hits in that one. Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle, each with solo home runs. Cedric Mullins had a two-hit day in that one, as did Trey Mancini as well. And then, you know, in the Sunday game, they uh, they had Ramona Rios, um, who had the big swing to win it. They had Pat Vileka tie the game uh, in the bottom of the ninth after the Orioles loaded the bases with nobody out down by one against closer Brad Hand. You had Ryan McKenna. Hit his first career home run with a solo shot in the game Sunday. Shout out to McKenna. You had Michael Franco with his first home run back off the injured list on Sunday. Trey Mancini hit one 455 feet to left center field in a solo home run in the first to tie the game at one on Sunday. So a lot of big offensive performances. But it just felt like this weekend was all about the pitching. We talked about Matt Harvey's great start on Saturday. We talked about John Means, you know, getting through it but not looking as good as we'd like in his start on Sunday. But the third big takeaway from the weekend is that the Orioles' bullpen continues to be the best unit on this team. We saw it again in the sweep over the Nats this weekend. All started on Friday. You know, Jorge Lopez wasn't bad. Four and two-thirds, he only gave up one run. But again, you know, he's only able to get through four and two-thirds. It's very difficult to get this man through five innings. But in steps Paul Fry. And, you know, Paul Fry, we know he got a chance to be the closer. He picked up a couple of saves, but did blow a couple as well. He seems to be really good in this fireman role where you basically, you know, use him in any situation, bring him in at a jam, whether it be the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth inning. And he's good in this role. He comes in, you know, with a runner on third and two outs in the fifth inning, trying to hold an Orioles two to one lead. He gets a pop up. Then he comes back out in the sixth, strikes out the side, uh, all with sliders at the top of the sixth inning. He looked really good in an inning and a third scoreless. Cole Salser gives you two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Tanner Scott retires all four batters. He faces with two strikeouts. And then uh, you have Dylan Tate with a 1-2-3 ninth inning with a strikeout. And, you know, all those guys just dominant. You go to Saturday. You know, you get the six scoreless from Matt Harvey. And now Adam Pletko pitched an inning. He did give up two runs. But Tanner Scott comes in, and, you know, he he, he inherits a big-time jam um, in the game. Inherits the bases, you know, comes in and, and loads the bases. And he did give up a two-run single to Trey Turner, but got a key out. Pitched an inning, gave up a run, but did strike out two and didn't walk anybody. So a nice job by Tanner Scott. And then really who I'm most impressed with of any appearance this weekend has got to be Dylan Tate in the game on Saturday. You know, the Orioles basically had said last week, Brandon Hyde kind of roundabout saying that Tyler Wells is his closer right now, but the Orioles had to place Wells on the injured list on the 10-day IL with a forearm injury, and they actually uh, called up Connor Green to take his place, the right-hander who, if he does get to pitch, will make his major league debut for the Orioles. Didn't get to pitch over the weekend, but they were without Wells, so again, they were looking for another closer option, and I think Hyde was very okay with, with... Paul Fry, you know, being in this kind of this more fireman role. And, you know, Dylan Tate worked a 1-2-3-9th on Friday night. Now, of course, it wasn't a safe situation. It was a 6-1 to game. But Brandon Hyde sent him right back out there in a 5-3 to ball game in the top of the ninth on Saturday. He was great. That might have been one of the best innings, maybe the best inning I've seen Dylan Tate pitch in what was, you know, a unfamiliar save chance for Tate. There was 12 pitches, 5 sliders, 5 sinkers, 2 change-ups. He gets 5 whiffs in 12 pitches. The two changeups he threw were both swung on and missed. He got three swings and misses out of five sliders. I mean, he was just fantastic. 
The things he were throwing up there were nasty, a crazy nasty slider uh, to finish off the game with a strikeout. You know, he he did a, a great job, and, and he looked like closer stuff. I mean, you know, he did give up a hit, but he got two Ks in a scoreless ninth inning. I mean, he was firing the ball in there as he's done, but the velocity just seems to continue to tick up for Dylan Tate uh, with that sinker. He averaged 97. He maxed out at 98 a couple of times with that pitch with a wipeout slider. I mean, a 98-mile-an-hour sinker, that's Zach Britton stuff. He was the best closer in baseball for a while with the Orioles. Of course, Dylan Tate came over from the Yankees in the Zach Britton trade back in 2018. and He's got that kind of stuff with that sinker. I kind of like Dylan Tate in this, you're going to go one inning, ramp it up, be the closer, throw this electric stuff, roll. You know, I think between him and Tyler Wells at the back end, I maybe honestly would rather have Tate in that closer spot. And then when Wells comes back, because he has the starter experience, he can be a guy like Paul Fry who can come in in a tough spot, or, you know, he can give you two innings in a close game. You know, maybe Tyler Wells can come in when you're up by one. He can pitch the sixth and the seventh and turn it over to, you know, the Tanner Scotts and the Cole Salsers and the Dylan Tates at the back end. But really, really impressed by Tate. And, you know, then you go to Sunday, the Orioles did it again. You know, John Means goes six and two-thirds, four runs. Paul Fry comes in, works a scoreless inning, three strikeouts, a hit and a walk, but he struck out three. Cesar Valdez comes in. He's starting to work his way back into the regular part of the bullpen. Valdez works a scoreless inning, one hit. He did walk two and only strike out one, but that's six consecutive scoreless innings for Valdez out of the pen. And Cole Salser came in uh, with two on and two out in the top of the ninth and a 4-3 Nats lead and you know worked a, a ground out from Josh Bell to get out of the inning. And uh, he got a little scoreless outing for himself as well and, and ended up picking up the victory because the Orioles got the two in the bottom of the ninth. But you look at all these guys, and that's even without Tyler Wells. Again, they placed him on the injured list you know, this weekend, so they didn't even have him, who at times has been their best reliever this season. It was kind of just named the closer. So you look at all these guys, obviously the Orioles are holding on to the Rule 5 pick in Wells. You know, I don't feel like Cesar Valdez, you know, he was too, he was, he was bad at some point this year. I don't think anyone's going to be trading for him. And, you know, Dylan Tate is kind of new to this. The Orioles want to keep him. He was a trade piece from Zach Britton. But you look at some of these other guys, you know, I had kind of written off the Orioles trading a reliever. But over the past couple of weeks, the stock is rising again for Cole Sulcer and for Paul Fry and Tanner Scott. I think all three of those guys are potentially available in trades. I think Mike Elias is obviously going to listen to offers on all of them if they do come in from other ball clubs ahead of Friday's trade deadline. And I will say, you know, the way Paul Fry is dominating right now, I would not be surprised if he is kind of back to being the Orioles' number one trade chip like he was, you know, really during May and June this season. And I would not be surprised if Paul Fry does get traded and if the Orioles could get a similar return like, you know, maybe not like they got for Michael Givens because that was just the Rockies being stupid, giving up Vavra and Dason and Nevin. I mean, that's way too much for a non-closer in Michael Givens who isn't even that elite. But I could see a return, like the return from Miguel Castro, where the Orioles ended up, you know, with a you know younger prospect and then with Kevin Smith, who, you know, has done great in the Orioles system so far this year. Maybe they could swing something like that with Paul Fry. I think Michael Elias would do it. He's pitching well enough, and it could happen this week. So, you know, the big thing from the bullpen this weekend, I think those guys have pitched their way back into potentially being on the trade block and potentially could be moved uh, and get some Orioles, uh, some more prospects. Because, you know, you would love to see Paul Fry and Tanner Scott, you know, be in the next good Orioles bullpen. But especially with a guy like Scott, you know, we've seen him be really bad. So maybe you capitalize on him, 
being good before he's bad again. Or with Paul Fry, you know, it's he's not just an Oriole. You know, he's been with the Mariners. He's been around. He's kind of a late bloomer. You don't know how many more good years of Paul Fry you have. Maybe his value is never higher than now, and, and maybe you capitalize on this one. But what a weekend it was for the bullpen. And, of course, what a weekend it was for the Orioles. They sweep the Nationals. Now, of course, the Nats did sweep them at Nats Park earlier this year, so the Masson Cup ends 3-3. to uh, But as I saw, I believe, Matt Kremnitzer tweet um, today that was, uh, you know, the tiebreaker is uh, who gets more money from the Masson TV contract. So the tiebreaker uh, goes to the Orioles. And they once again win the Masson Cup. And honestly, I find it hilarious that this tanking Orioles team is still dominating the Nationals as they've been doing. Uh, for the last couple of years and it was just a masterful performance by the Orioles they are playing some honestly really good baseball but coming up tomorrow on the pod we will be back with you hopefully my voice is uh, a little bit better Um, tonight actually uh, if you listen to the BSL on the verge podcast if you don't you should they do a great job of covering all things Orioles minor leagues. I will be joining Bob Phelan, Zach Spedden, and Nick Stevens on tonight's episode live on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook around 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time Monday night. And then it will be posted wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be talking about some uh, Orioles trade deadline stuff and, and other things on one of the best pods out there over at BSL on the Verge. And then here on Locked on Orioles again, we'll be back with you tomorrow again. Hopefully the voice sounds much better again. Sorry about that, but uh, hopefully it gets back to uh, where it needs to be uh, for the pod tomorrow. We'll be getting back to our draft coverage. We will be talking about Carlos Tavera. He is the Orioles' fifth round pick, the right-handed pitcher out of UT Arlington who threw uh, an incredible no-hitter this year, has some crazy good stuff from the right side. His pitching coach from UT Arlington, Brady Cox, is going to join us on the episode tomorrow to talk about Tavera's career at UTA and what he can bring to the Orioles again. He has signed his contract as the Orioles, uh, I believe, have now signed every player from the draft, all 21 picks. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode, and we'll also preview the quick two-game series coming up between the Orioles and the Marlins at Camden Yards this week. But again, that's all coming up tomorrow. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. This has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.